This morning's uh, scripture reading comes from the, the Epistle to the Romans. It's from chapter 7, it's verses 15 through 25, and we have recently referred to it as Paul's version of Abbott and Costello's Who's on First? Because in some ways it does feel like that. Uh, but Paul is, spe- is seeking to experience something different in his faith and in his relationship with God and in his life than he is currently experiencing. And so he is wrestling and he is working. And hopefully that will lead us to uh, working on our faith and our discipleship as well. Here now this reading from the Epistle to the Romans, chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The winter of 2004 was an interesting time in my life. I had finished divinity school, my master's degree, and I had a good job as the youth minister of Zebulon Baptist Church, but it was a job that only required me to be in the office a couple days a week. So during that winter, I had uh, interviewed for some other jobs, considered going back to graduate school again, and I was offered a job by Ralph, who ran Albright Pressure Washing. Ralph needed a helper. And since he said he would be flexible with me, I decided to take the work. Now, on my first day of work, we went to Martin Middle School over in Raleigh on Ridge Road. Surely you've driven by there before. And I was handed a couple things, because we weren't going to be power washing that day. I was handed nails that were about the size of this screw, and I was handed a hammer and told it was my job to install the vinyl skirting that went around the bottom of the portable school building. Now, being that it was winter, and the siding would be cold, and the pneumatic air air hammer would uh, split the siding if we used the nail gun, I hammered all of those things in by myself. And... Well, as you can imagine, my thumb got hammered into the portable school building many times as well. I was told later by the contractor who had hired Ralph to do this job that he made me do that he didn't think I was going to make it through the first day. He definitely didn't think I would show up to work on the second day, which I did do. 
And it might be why, that might be why he waited till 3.30 to hand me a set of these pliers. And he said to me, just put the nail like this and then you won't ruin your thumb. At the moment, I was thrilled. In retrospect, I sure wish Blake had handed me that plier at, say, 9.30 in the morning after I had hit my thumb more times than I care to admit. Ultimately, though, what provided me relief in that moment, in that day, in that experience, was not learning how to hit the nail better. It, it wasn't learning how to swing the hammer better. I had that part down, my thumb will assure you. The key to success, the key to moving forward, the key to experiencing something different was to hold the nail differently. Someone else helped me to see something that I could not see on my own. And I do think that this passage Thanks be to God who will deliver me from this body of death. Reminds us that we need help from outside of ourselves. Certainly we need eternal help from outside of ourselves. That is what faith is all about. But even in life, even in discipleship, we need someone else to help us see that which we cannot see on our own. I think that is the importance in doing discipleship. Now, we read Paul's story here. We read about his dissatisfaction with himself in Romans 7. In this passage, he's admitting that he's struggling with these fleshly desires and he's battling with this sort of ongoing narrative he has with the law that started a long time ago. But he has a different spiritual desire than he is earthly experiencing in his body. He doesn't want to do the things that he does. He doesn't want to sin. He doesn't want to fall short of the glory of God. But because he is human, because he is still bound to earth, and because he is not free from everything, he is not able to live fully with God quite yet. And so this leads to the wrestling in the passage. He wants to be free from his fallenness because he has experienced the goodness of God in a way. He has a a foretaste of glory divine, so to speak. But he's not yet free from his sin and his earthly limitations. He can't be where he wants to be yet. But what is hopeful, one of the hopeful things in this passage is that he has experienced a foretaste. He he knows that the Lord is with him. He knows that there is something else. There is a better way, a way forward. And I think in a lot of ways, that's where we can meet Paul today. I don't think we wrestle with our humanity and our sin at the level that Paul does. Maybe we're wrong for it not. But our personal struggle to grow closer to God, I think, is something that we wrestle with. We want to know God better. We want to experience God more. We want to understand faith and and grow and and have our, our cup overflow. We know the struggle of wanting something different and not 
getting it when it comes to our spiritual life. And we know we're not as close to God as maybe we want to be. And ultimately, I hope, we, we wonder how we can draw closer to the Lord. And I think the key is discipleship. Throughout the history of the church, there have been people who were very close to God. Those who were most connected to the Lord, those who had the richest experiences with the Lord, were engaged in a relationship with God. They practiced prayer and spiritual disciplines. They attended worship regularly. They knew the scriptures, and across history, it would not be unusual to go back and look at the faithful Christian people and realize they had memorized all of the Psalms, not just 23. And it wasn't because they sat down with their Bible the way we do, because before the printing press, none of them had Bibles. It was because they were so dedicated to their relationship with God that in attending worship, Regularly, they heard the Psalter read and prayed, and it became a part of them. All of these folks who we would look back on and, and hold in high esteem, whether it be those who were cloistered in abbeys and monasteries, or just the faithful who attended worship regularly, their desire to come to know God was met with actions that helped them to get there. Their desire was met with a, a practice and a work of trying to be faithful. They didn't wish for one thing but do another. They wished for something and so they sought after it. They wished to grow closer to God and so they chased it. They dove in and did something about it. They didn't keep doing the same thing repeatedly that didn't work and left them with a sore thumb. They sought to dive in to find the good that they wanted to do rather than wallowing in the sameness of their wretchedness, as Paul puts it. But what about us? What about you and what about me? What about our, our spiritual life? Where are you experiencing a different result than you want to be experiencing? And where do you need to start doing something differently so that you can achieve the results you want. One of the things I've seen in the last 20 years in being on a church staff and, and, and many more years being a part of a church is that our expectations have stayed the same, but our commitments to our faith and our discipleship in many ways have fallen. When I was a youth, yes, it was a long time ago, at least to me, there was Sunday night church every night, every Sunday, right? That second service, that Sunday evening discipleship program for the whole church was a key to their growth and their connection with the Lord. And I know schedules have changed and, and times have changed and, 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 our, and, and our desire to be back here on Sunday night in most ways has changed. But our need for discipleship is not. Our need to dive in and grow and develop our faith has not changed, even if our calendars have. We still need ways to grow closer to the Lord. We, we still need ways to work out our salvation. 
We still need places where we can hop in and wrestle like Paul is here in this passage. And as I've watched over time, people engage in discipleship opportunities like Companions in Christ or or, or Bible studies with one another or, or book clubs. What I've seen is their relationship with one another grows richer and deeper and their relationship with God grows as they have grown with one another. And though their struggle never goes away, we don't reach the end of this passage in Romans 7 until, thanks be to God, we are delivered from our bodies of death. We can work on it now. And that's, that's the key to me. Not every day is an epiphany when it comes to faith. Not every day is an epiphany when it comes to life. Some days, being a disciple is just like going to practice one put in works to get, puts in work to get better. The key to adjusting our spiritual expectations and, and balancing them with the possibilities of faith is to work on our discipleship. If we want to experience God well and more and differently, the way we do that is not to hold the hammer better, it's to hold the nail differently. The key to growing in our faith is not just to hope God shows up in us doing the same old things that we've always done. The key to experiencing God differently is to adjust how we are engaging with God so maybe God can emerge different for us. The task for us is to commit to doing discipleship in new and and in more intentional ways because if we are relating to God how we are living, and what we are currently doing, is if, if how we are living now and, and what we are doing now only leads to dissatisfaction, then we can't expect different results. So maybe we are the ones that need to change because we believe God is there waiting to meet us and reach us, right? Recently, I, I re-listened to a podcast I listened to last summer uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, an, an author, a writer, a journalist. And the, the, the podcast is called Revisionist History. And it was an episode entitled Hallelujah, and it described uh, the Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah, that many of you may recognize. I also watched a, a documentary on Netflix, uh, an hour-long documentary, uh, in a series called Abstract, about the artist Christopher Neiman, who has designed many magazine covers. What struck me about both the Gladwell podcast and the, the Netflix episode was not the accomplishments that they had had. Clearly, they were making stories about these people. The people were accomplished. What struck me was how they got there. Often, we think about art and creativity and genius as something we are either born with or we are not born with. We expect epiphanies to come out of nowhere because that's what happens for geniuses. And so we sit and we wait for those epiphanies to come. Now there are some, certainly, who are born with a level of genius that you and I do not have. For someone like Picasso, who is already a renowned artist in his 20s, there are things about art that you and I cannot do that he could. Bob Dylan can write songs better and faster than most of us could ever dream. These people exist. They are not you and me. But that's okay. 
Because most of the rest of the great ones did not rely on flashes of genius to achieve their greatness. It wasn't epiphanies that got them to where they were going. For most artists, for most athletes, for songwriters, and I think especially for disciples of Jesus, it's the devotion and the repetition and the commitment to seeking something that allowed the greatness, that allowed the epiphanies, that allowed the experience of God to be uncovered. Neiman talked about drawing things over and over and over again before he finally got it right. The artist Cezanne would work through multiple versions of his paintings before he got one that he was ready to release to the public. That Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah, that plays in the soundtrack background of many melodramatic romantic comedies or, or sad stories... That song didn't gain any popularity until 20 years after it was released and several different artists had done cover versions of the very same song. And for you and for me, even if we do have a meaningful Damascus Road experience, it, that's not the end, it's just the beginning. But just in case Leonard Cohen, Christopher Neiman, Picasso and Cezanne mean nothing to you, Consider a kid who played basketball in Wilmington, North Carolina about 40 years ago. He went on to play ball for Dean Smith, and as you likely know, Michael Jeffrey Jordan only played two years of varsity basketball. He was not on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a middle schooler. He was cut from the team his sophomore year. And so he went to work. It took practice for him to become great. It took work for him to be able to jump from the free throw line and dunk. And that shot he hit over Brian Russell that ended his career the second time, he had taken that shot many, many, many times. That wasn't the first time he had taken it. For all of us, achieving greatness is, takes practice. But growing closer to God, which is what we're seeking here today, that takes practice as well. There are days like the Damascus Road. There are times when we're on the mountain like Moses was on Mount Sinai. And there are instances where we're along the Maus Way like those followers of Jesus were after his crucifixion. Where things happen and we didn't know how it's possible. But most of the rest of the days take intentional discipleship. They take practice. But when we do that, when we engage in that practice, the way we live on the outside and the expectations we have begin to match the spirit that we have on the inside. But just doing the same thing over and over and over again and wishing for something different will not change anything. In Romans chapter 7, Paul wrestles with a disconnect between his actions and what he wants to happen. He wrestles because his connection with God on the inside doesn't match what he's experiencing on the outside. And ultimately, that will not be resolved until he reaches eternal life with the Lord. And the same is true with us, but there's something we can do along the way. 
the way we do that, the way we experience God better, the way we grow closer to that experience of God is not to just sit and wait for something to happen to us, but it's start to engage now. The way forward is to dive into our faith, to read scripture, to pray daily, and to seek relationships with other believers that will allow for spiritual growth. And so in the months to come, I hope we will take a step to becoming a church who is more intentional about how we are doing discipleship. For too long, we as individuals and we collectively have been waiting for epiphanies to just answer the question. But we can't swing the hammer any better. It's time for us to hold the nail differently. It's time for you and for me to hold our nails differently. I think God is calling us to be more careful with our hammer, but also to take some pliers, to hold the nail differently, and to start doing discipleship so that we can discern how God is truly leading us, so that what we long for ourselves and for our faith and for our church matches the actions we are embodying, and the actions we embody will bring about that longing that we have. This, I think, some of what Paul's getting at in Romans chapter 7. But thanks be to God, as we seek Him, we will be delivered and freed and loved. God reaches in and grabs us and holds us. And I trust that He will hold us even still today. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving and holy God, we come to you today asking you to help us to hold the nail differently. Help us to see things differently. Help us to try new things. Lord, when pocky sticks come our way, let us open our mouths and try them. When camp is on the calendar, help us to dive in and give ourselves over to it. And Lord, when discipleship, when being your disciples is what we seek, help us to dive in, share the water with one another, And see how it is you're leading us so that we do not wrestle as much with the things that we don't want, but we begin to help enact the very things that we long for. And in doing that, we experience the grace and the love and the power that you have to give us that we so desperately need. Lord, today some of us will commit ourselves to following you more faithfully. And Lord, we ask that you would help us in our commitments. Lord, others today uh, may not do that, may not experience that, and may be ready to go. But Lord, all of us today are in need of you. And so we ask that you meet us on this day and meet us in the days ahead so that we can do our discipleship with you better. Lord, this, our prayer, we offer in your name and with great hope. Amen.